We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? we got to consider that. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're 3-1 and one somehow. And we got all the voters fooled, thinking we're pretty good. Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic ability. Welcome to a Week 12 Preview Edition of the Roadwire College Football Podcast, the Noel Define of College Football Podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Roadwire head honcho of college football content, John McKechnie. Uh, John, if I remember correctly, Noel Devine at one point was like pseudo-adopted by Deion Sanders. I-, I think he became his legal guardian for a very short period of time. Am I am I completely making that up? Oh, my God. I, I actually didn't know that at all. So that that's incredible. But, you know, like, that it's just an, an amazing thing to say about Noel Devine, where like you're so cool that Dion just like literally adopts you. Like your play right. style is so like so fast and just like flashy that that Dion Sanders literally wants to like take care of you. So I'm on his Wikipedia right now. He uh, he most recently played for the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, I, I assume that's a CFL team, uh, mm-hmm. although in. 2019, he helped guide the West Virginia Rough Riders of the AAL uh, to the to the championship that year. He currently owns and operates Divine Speed LLC, a speed training business where he trains young athletes at all levels. So, uh, if you were wondering what what the highest rated recruit in West Virginia history is up to, uh, there's your answer. Well, you know, if if we ever find ourselves in the vicinity of of the Divine Complex, you know, we got to get in there. And, you know, maybe shave our 40s down, you know, under five and a half seconds or something. Yeah, I, the last thing I'll mention here, I'm seeing on his his page that uh, he, he was undrafted, quote, because of his perceived unwillingness to block. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of respect that. Like, hey, hey not it's blocking. not perceived. I don't want to block. I'm here <laughs> to score touchdowns, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't want there to be any confusion. I will not be blocking. It's not in the job right. description. Let's uh, let's dive into week 12 here. We, we have a few headliner games. Um, as you mentioned to me off air, this is basically just like a collective bye week uh, for the SEC with a couple of exceptions. Uh, Georgia's already finished up its SEC schedule. Uh, is it Charleston Southern this week? Is that correct? 
It is Charleston Southern. Uh, got offered free tickets this morning. Uh, will not be attending, uh, mostly because you know I got to work and whatnot. But uh, uh, you know, but it's going to Athens Southern. is fun. You know, you don't have to twist my arm too much. But but I don't know if even like free tickets would have uh, been, right. been quite enough. That's funny you say that because I was also offered free tickets to the Wisconsin Nebraska game on Saturday, and I thought about it for like. 30 seconds and it was like, I, I couldn't really, I can't really give you a reason why I don't want to go, but I just, you know, I, I'd rather hang, you know, stay back and watch some of these games on TV. And that's, that's a full day commitment. You know, it's a, it's a mid afternoon game. You're talking, you know, getting home probably eight, nine o'clock. Uh, just, just really not something I was interested in doing, which mostly if nothing else speaks to how washed up we are as fans. Yeah. Yeah. We are pretty washed. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, free tickets, you know, it's like, the, the second that that sentence ends, it's like, yes, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you talk about the logistics of it. It's like, oh, I got to got to drive an hour and a half or, you know, if you stay over, you you know, the, the next next day's drive is never very fun. So, yeah, no, we're we've uh, we're on the other end of our of our prime as far as that yeah. goes. Yeah, uh, good, good spot to be in, though. Let's uh, let's begin. We'll go game by game. We'll highlight uh, what you should be keeping an eye on this Saturday. And I, I want to start with, I, I think what's pretty comfortably the game of the week here in week 12. And that is number seven, Michigan state going to Ohio state currently ranked number four in the CFP rankings, uh, Ohio state, uh, this line, I believe when we talked on Tuesday was at 21. So it's come down a little bit, but Ohio state is a 19 point favorite at home uh, total in this game currently set at 68 and a half. Yeah, the, this one, you know, it, it it's unfortunate that we we've, finally made it to this week we've been talking about this matchup or at least teasing it for, for quite some time it feels like and now that it's here and it is kind of like that centerpiece game of the week with, with the sec context baked in where you know georgia's got charleston southern and uh you know south alabama's playing tennessee that all like there are very few uh interesting games in the sec uh ole miss you know that they're playing vanderbilt so that they're basically playing an fcs team um but i digress uh, so we're seeing a you know nearly three touchdown spread in a game between two teams that are that are both in the top ten and separated by three spots in the college football playoff ranking and and I think it speaks to mostly how how much of a mismatch the one key facet of this game really boils down to like I think you you can comfortably say that the Kenneth Walker will will, will get his and, and Trevion Henderson will get his but. The, the problem here, and, and I think what, what informs the, the spread this wide, is Ohio State probably has the most dangerous passing attack in college football when it when everything's going right, and they do have everyone back now after, after Garrett Wilson came back. And you look at that and you say, okay, they're at home, and you tack on the fact that Michigan State has the worst pass defense in the country, and it's like there couldn't be a worse matchup for, for Michigan State, really, and, and the fact that it's on the road in Columbus, um, you know, this is this is a really really tough spot for Sparty. Um, would it shock me if they covered that spread? Not, no, they are you know number seven in the country for a reason. But I, I do feel like at the end of the day, this is going to be like a pretty comfortable win for Ohio State, even if they stay, even if Michigan State's able to stay within that number. I don't think that there's going to be much doubt as to who the better team is after even like one quarter. Kind of amazing that this game is so lopsided on paper when one, you have two top seven teams and two, uh, you got 
we, we've been kind of dogging this Heisman race uh, all year, John. You have the number two and number three in the Heisman odds right now playing in this game. CJ Stroud is currently two to one. Walker somehow still three to one. Uh, Bryce Young, the leader at plus 180, uh, cannot emphasize enough how uninspiring this Heisman race continues to be. Like, at this point, do you even hold a ceremony? I mean, they, they, if they do, um, you know, I, don't they usually have it at like Radio City or, or something? Yes. Like the, Radio City should book something else that night. And, uh, and, and the Heisman ceremony has to be, uh, I don't know my New York ge- geography very well. Let's just say it's at like some little club in the Lower East Side or something. And, yeah. instead. I, even it, that it doesn't be a little too sweaty. Does it have to even be in New York? Like let's have it, have it at <laughs> yeah, like Perkins Hoboken. In, in Iowa. Hoboken. Sure. Yeah, it could be. It could be literally anywhere. It, yeah, it should be at like a, like the, like the meeting hall area in like a Hampton Inn somewhere in in like the middle of the U.S. Very very similar to my, my grandfather's Hall of Fame induction into his high school's like uh, athletic Hall of Fame. It, it was Damn. some hotel banquet room in in a Phil- right. like a suburban Philadelphia hotel. I'm, I'm picturing like the the type of venue you would go to to attend a hypnotist seminar if you're trying to quit smoking cigarettes. It, it's like very but, specific aesthetic, but you, all right, you guys got to be out of here by four. Cause we, we have, um, you know, a, a magic, the gathering tournament, uh, <laughs> at, at, at four 30 and, uh, th- those people exactly. are prompt. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, you mentioned this Ohio state offense, like everybody is back. You have so many playmakers. They're first in the country in yards per play first in scoring at 46.3 points per game. And, and granted a lot of those big scoring efforts have come against bad teams. And, you know, they, they played some close games early on, uh, they're first in the country in total yards. Like, in my opinion, pretty easily the best big play team in the country. I think they have like 92. I forget what the number I read. 92, 96 plays this season of 20 or more yards. Um, I mean, that's that's obscene. And not that surprising if you watch the Buckeyes over these last three or four weeks. Yeah, I, I think a, a big key is um, C.J. Stroud is fully healthy. Like he was, he was playing through kind of a bum shoulder earlier this year. And uh, he, he seems to be at, at 100% now. Uh, they obviously have had their bye week and everything, uh, so and, and they were obviously able to to lean on the, on the run game a, a decent bit while he was at less than 100. percent But you know, I, I think the big storyline in in this offense, it, they they had a great run game last year with, with Trey Sermon and and, um, and Master Teague, but uh, Trevion Henderson is just such a huge difference maker. But but I think the big thing has been the emergence of the number three receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, like. He took over that that Nebraska game, set a Ohio State single game record for, for receptions in that one. And what I particularly like about him for this game, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and assume that Gus Johnson's on the call. And he's got such a perfect name for like a long touchdown with Gus Johnson on the call. Like, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like I, I've, I very much look forward to that. I will have the sound bar cranked all the way up when Ohio State's on offense, just in, in, in anticipation of, of Gus going nuts. I don't even know if it needs to be a touchdown. It might just be like a four-yard out. Yeah. Smith and Jigba, push out of bounds, second and six. <laughs> the, the man's hyped. The man's hyped at all times. We could all take notes on that. I, I'm sorry. I'm like, I hate it, but I, I think I'm kind of anti-Gus Johnson. I, I didn't mean to be this way. I, I've never really even thought about it, but like the last few games I've watched with him on the call, I'm just like, I, I can't take this anymore it's you know it, it's, it's exhausting it's not for everybody um i, I feel like we, we've talked about like bill walton being on, on calls before uh you know yeah. after after he was on ucla game day and it's like you, 
either love it or, or you hate it. It's pretty polarizing, but um, right. You know, I I tend to to be more in in, in the Gus Johnson camp, but I, I well all the while fully admitting uh, how ridiculous mm-hmm. the the games tend to be, just uh, sound wise when he's on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a Hubie Brown guy. You know, I, I want I want somebody to be like nitpicking everything the entire game. Um, let's uh, let's move over to Iowa State, Oklahoma. This one's also in the early window. Uh, we we do get Michigan State, Ohio State on ABC. So I'm not I'm not sure if Gus will be on the call. He might get the Iowa State, Oklahoma game here. This one in Norman, uh, oh, Oklahoma, right. three and a half point favorites at home. Uh, Fifty nine and a half is the total. I, I think we kind of have to reassess a little bit on Oklahoma after last week. But at the same time, I don't necessarily feel like they played all that differently last week than they had, you know, seven out of the last eight weeks. They, they kind of finally got tripped up by an opponent that was just better than a lot of the teams that they faced through the first three quarters of their schedule. Yeah, we, we had kind of circled this stretch for Oklahoma as, as the key one and, and one where at once, at once you could look at it and say, OK, they haven't played their, their best ball yet, but, you know, they've made the switch at quarterback and they have all the big uh, all like the marquee Big 12 matchups ahead of them with with, you know, Iowa State has obviously fallen by the wayside. And we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, with Baylor, with Iowa State, with Oklahoma State, like they have their chance to go ahead and, and prove that they they really do belong in the college football playoff. And what happened was that they ended up playing very, like you said, very similar to how they did earlier in the year, just uninspiring. I mean, that that's such a low scoring game to, to see Oklahoma involved in. It's almost dizzying. Um, so how they respond here, especially knowing that their 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 odds at, at making the playoff now are, are extremely slim. It, it will be interesting. It's it's going to be a bit of a gut check. And and on the other side, Iowa State, they, it's not the, the most like nationally visible program, but I think college football fans have really grown to, to respect what, what Matt Campbell has built there. And for them to go into Texas Tech last week against a guy who's who opened the year, I believe, is the third-string quarterback and lose pretty emphatically to Texas Tech and have Texas Tech talk about uh, how this is like a, a culture-changing win, a program-changing win. It goes to show you, A, you know, how far Iowa State's come to where, like, you can feel that way after beating them, but then also, B, you know, how how much Iowa State has kind of underperformed um, expectations this year. Very well said. Uh, let's bounce around to, well, let's head, let's head to the SEC. Uh, essentially, uh, the, the only SEC game I think worth paying a, a cursory eye uh, on this weekend, and we, it's still almost a three-touchdown spread, Alabama favored by 20 and a half uh, at home against an Arkansas team that's back in the top 25. Uh, had some nice moments early on, was a top 10 team for a while. Uh, KJ Jefferson slinging it around for Arkansas, but I, I, this feels like kind of a bounce back game for Alabama. Obviously they had that last week against a vastly inferior New Mexico state team. Uh, kind of the, the, the run of the mill. Like I feel like Alabama has a 59 to three game that that plays out exactly like that every single year. Um, but now you're, you know, you're, you're getting a, a slightly harder test, I guess, than what you've seen the last few weeks. Um, Alabama still trying to pad that resume, still trying to essentially just make it through these last two games against Arkansas and Auburn and set up that showdown with Georgia. Uh, do you think they encounter much resistance here from the Razorbacks? You know, I think the Razorbacks have been one of the best stories in college football this year, but uh, I have a bad feeling about this one for, yeah. for Arkansas. I, this this feels like a setup where, where Bama reminds everyone who they are, and uh, I think that they roll Arkansas. This is, 
you know, Arkansas coming off like that tough emotional win in Death Valley at night. You know, I, I was, you know, pretty skeptical about their chances of that one, even against a bad LSU team uh, when we were doing this pod a week ago at this time. And, and now they go into Tuscaloosa knowing that Bama needs to, you know, take care of business here. This sets up poorly for, for Arkansas. And, and I, I think as far as what you can expect game flow wise, um, Ole Miss basically borrowed or stole might be the better word for it. Um, Arkansas's defense after Arkansas dominated and turned constantly turned over Ole Miss last year. Oh, so they, they run a very uh, coverage heavy defense that they, they drop eight, you know, they, they're only rushing three or so at a time. Um, so that, that is a going to, to give Bryce Young time to pick apart the defense. But if Bama so chooses the way that they did against Ole Miss, they can go that full bully ball route. And I, I know that Brian Robinson hasn't played that well or their run game just really hasn't done a whole lot in recent weeks. But the, what we saw against Ole Miss, I think, could be very, very similar as far as Alabama's offensive game plan where they just feed Robinson and Arkansas just doesn't adjust in time and, and they end up just – kind of getting uh, rolled over on the ground. Yeah, it's been a weird season for for Brian Robinson and that you know entire rushing game. I think we, we have some legitimate questions about just how good that Alabama O-line is, but you mentioned that Ole Miss game. I mean, 36 carries, 171 yards, four touchdowns in that game. I mean, that looked like a, a, a kind of a major breakout performance for him. Uh, and, you know, one, he hasn't had the workload since then. I mean, that was kind of an exception to get the Ron Dane 36 carry game. <laughs> um, but it, it just hasn't really looked the same since that game. Uh, and of course they were tripped up, you know, shortly after, uh, let's go to, let's go to SMU Cincinnati. Uh, this one, a, the Bearcats 11 and a half point favorites at home, uh, senior day for Cincinnati. It's, it's the last home game ever we would think for, for Desmond Ritter. Um, uh, we, we know what's at stake here for Cincinnati. You know, you, you have to keep winning obviously. Um, and they're still in a position where it doesn't really feel to me like they control their own destiny. So, um, you know, of course, you need to take care of business here at home. Uh, you're at ECU next week, uh, another game that obviously they'll be favored in. Um, but I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Arkansas, Alabama. Uh, how much of a of a test should Cincinnati expect here? I think a pretty significant one. I, I think on balance, it, and I, I need to I need to check back in a little bit closer on Houston now that they've they've crept their way in, into the top 25. Um, but I, I would say that SMU has a pretty legit argument to be the, the second best team in, in the American conference. Um, and it, it starts with their offense. Their offense is a lot to deal with. It, it's explosive, it's fast moving, and it's got a lot of uh, impressive pieces within it. Tanner Mordecai has obviously been awesome this year. He's got 37 passing touchdowns. And then you just have a litany of receivers, you know, D Danny Gray, Rasheed Rice, uh, Reggie Roberson, uh, we saw a breakout last last week from Dylan Goffney. Um, we'll, we'll see how many of those guys are healthy. I know that they did get a little bit dinged up, but they showed that they have a little bit of depth there as well. And I don't expect SMU to be able to run the ball extremely well on, on Cincinnati by any means, but they do have two very talented running backs in Trey Siggers and uh, now Ulysses Bentley, who's, who's healthy, uh, returned to the field last week against UCF. This – I mean, I think SMU is going to give them all they can hope for. Um, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if SMU wins this game outright. I'm I'm honestly a little bit surprised um, at at how wide this spread is with Cincinnati um, giving 11 and a half here because I think that they could very well be in trouble. 
And I think that there's also the element here. I don't know if they, they just wanted to rest Jerome Ford last week in, in a game that they thought that they would win against USF. And obviously they took care of business down in Tampa. But if he's not right or simply unavailable, that really changes things for, for this Cincinnati offense. And I think they're going to have trouble scoring points if if Ford is is less than 100% here. Yeah, I'm with you that the spread is, uh, you know, I, I know we try not to curse on this on the show. It's a little wonky. Is it 11 and a half? Seems like a lot. I mean, we'll it, it's out. been a while since it's been a while since Cincinnati really stepped on the throat of an opponent. I think you have to go back to the UCF game. That was a 56-21 victory. I mean, they, they, they did stomp all over Temple. Um, but, you know, Navy gave them a run. Tulsa gave them a run a couple weeks ago. Uh, not super impressive wins over Tulane and, and South Florida. Uh, especially from a team that you know knows it needs to try to pad that resume as much as it can, and you know we're going on a month now of, of really fairly unimpressive victories. Uh, so yeah, I, I would take SMU to cover that. I think we see something similar uh, to what we saw in that Tulsa game two weeks ago. Let's go to the Big Twelve. We got a couple games to monitor in that conference. Uh, number eleven Baylor going on the road at K State. Uh, Kansas State favored by a point in that one. We're expecting a relatively low scoring game, uh, fifty points is the total there. Uh, and then the nightcap on ABC. Uh, this is probably the runner up for game of the week. We got Oregon, Utah. We've been looking forward to this one. I feel like all season as a potential trip up game for Oregon. Uh, my question to you is like, is this too obvious of a trip up game where it makes you want to zag? Like it, it reminds me of uh, lions Eagles in the NFL from a couple weeks ago where like <laughs> everybody was picking the lions and it became so obvious that I almost felt like you had to zag. And then of course the Eagles win like 45 to seven. Yeah, I mean, this is a very public um, uh, line in the sense that, yeah, I mean, we, we've been talking about the potential of Utah beating Oregon for a couple of weeks now. And it, it, it was surprising uh, to see the line reflect uh, that that inkling uh, when, when it got released late last weekend. But I, again, I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, the, this is a game that's at Utah, Utah coming off uh, a pretty the, the scoreboard said it was a close-ish game, closer than it should be against a team like Arizona, but um, they kind of treated it as a bye week in, in a sense. Like they, they, Tavian Thomas, their running back, could have played, um, but uh, they, they opted to rest him, of course. So Utah is going to be fresh for this one, and they're obviously going to be up for it. And I, I think Whittingham is, is an excellent coach. Obviously, I have all the respect for, for Mario Cristobal as well and the, this Oregon team. So. This, this boils down to a great matchup and, and one that we obviously could uh, be seeing again in just a couple of weeks in the, in the Pac-12 championship. So I think it comes down to the quarterbacks in, in this one. Um, can Anthony Brown go out and win, and win a game for you? Because I think both teams have, have pretty strong run defenses. Oregon's a bit stronger um, than Utah's, but Utah's still pretty solid there. Um, but can you Oregon make it work through the air if they need to. And, and, you know, there's a very good chance that Utah, you know, gets a lead. We haven't seen Oregon have to come back a whole lot this year. So are they built for that? And then I think on the other side, the X factor um, is, is Utah's quarterback, Cam Rising, uh, you know, someone who didn't open the year as the starter. Uh, Charlie Brewer, uh, the Baylor transfer, started out there. But uh, Rising has taken over and has done really well. I mean, he, he's – Averaging almost eight yards attempt, which is okay, not not great or anything, but a fourteen to two touchdown to interception, and he's he's run for over three hundred yards. He's got four touchdowns on the ground, so 
he's a pretty impressive player in my opinion. And he might be one, one of the better quarterbacks that Oregon has faced all, all season. So he's going to give that Oregon defense qu- quite a test as well. I think we're going to see a very close game. But to answer your your initial question, like, is this too public? Has this like swung too far publicly in one direction to where it might be time to zag? I'm going to stick to my to my word here and and say that Utah wins this one. But um, I, I I do feel a little bit shaky shakier on it now now that like everyone seems to be on it. Yeah, well, the line sits at Utah minus three, uh, so you know, essentially implied pick them at a neutral site. Um, so, you know, I'm a little surprised maybe it hasn't moved uh, a little more in favor of in Utah's direction because everyone's talking about it. But at the same time, I mean, this is the number three team in the country uh, in Oregon with obviously a ton on the line. Um, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say this would sew anything up by any means because I think Oregon is liable to be tripped up just about any week and obviously you still have the Pac-12 championship. Um, they're home for Oregon State to conclude their Pac-12 uh, regular season schedule. But, uh, I mean, this is this feels like, to me, the – not the final hurdle, but the biggest hurdle the rest of the way for Oregon. Yeah, big time. Uh, this this is a game that that I'm sure the committee has had circled as as one that they're going to be looking at particularly closely when it when it comes to Oregon. Yeah. You know, they, they probably haven't had this much attention on them since that UCLA game uh, where, where they were road dogs, by the way, um, just about a month ago. So this will be great. I'm very much looking forward to this one. That it'll be a nice uh, little little treat. Uh, in the evening, especially in, in a week where we're not getting a ton of other like ranked action in the night window. Yeah, I mean, if you're Cincinnati, you're you're hoping you take care of business against SMU, and then you're you're probably heading to Hooters or something for a group watch party to root for Utah in this game. Yeah, whatever whatever Urban Meyer's uh, restaurant is, they're they're going there. <laughs> yeah, do we do we ever actually get the name of that restaurant? I'm not sure. I even want to know. Uh, I'm sure it's something hilariously bad. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to the bottom of this. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on Baylor, Kansas State? Kansas State a one point favorite again in that one. Yeah, kind of kind of surprising that um, that the line sits where it does. But I, I mean, the Little Apple can be a, a tough p- place to play, and Deuce Vaughn has been electric over the last month or so. I think by fantasy points scored, he he's the number one running back over the last month. You know, just getting it done on the ground and as a pass catcher. So. Uh, Baylor's going to need to make sure that that he's accounted for every single snap. Yeah, Kansas State is just so they're so tough that when they play their game, they they can beat pretty much anyone just with with that like physical style. I still like like Baylor to c- come out here and win. I don't think that they're going to be in a letdown spot necessarily, like like the line implies. So I do like Baylor to win this one outright, but uh, I, I could be a donkey on that one. All right, where else do we have to get to uh, in this week? I, I want to touch on Wisconsin, obviously, but I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to carve out like forty to fifty minutes at the end to discuss that game uh, against <laughs> Nebraska. I, I think we can we could probably stick in the uh, or go back, I should say, to the Big Twelve here. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Uh, this is the seven p.m. Central start. This is the late Fox game uh, in Lubbock. We got Oklahoma State at number nine, uh, kind of on the outside looking into a potential playoff berth, depending on what happens uh, ahead of them, but. Uh, how like how much would you say they control their own destiny at this point? Uh, I would say a, a decent bit as long as um, Baylor or Oklahoma don't pick up another loss uh, throughout the course of the regular season, and Oklahoma State you know runs the table the, these next two weeks, then like they they would have a quality opponent 
to bank a win against in the Big 12 championship. Um, I think we're still going to need some dominoes to fall in order for them to to make it. And I would imagine a one-loss Notre Dame team might get the committee's lean over a one-loss Oklahoma State, even though they're they're Big 12 champions. But Oklahoma State, on a a resume basis, uh, maybe this is because I have some OK State friends on on Twitter, and they, they were all up in arms after the rankings came out on Tuesday night and, you know, doing the blind resume stuff and, and pointing out that their resume is actually stronger than, than Ohio State's, that type of thing. Um, so they, they definitely have that in their pocket and they, they've obviously got a chip on their shoulder, um, not being maybe as high as, as they think they, they deserve to be. Um, I think the quarterback play is just so uninspiring for, for them that maybe they, they get um, dinged for that as far as what their playoff viability would look like but man they, they got about as good of a ground game as anybody in the defense as weird as it is to say is is pretty nasty at, at Oklahoma State so I expect them to to win this one fairly comfortably even though Texas Tech seems to have kind of bucked up um, down the stretch here since, since firing Matt Wells but um, you know at, at the end of the day I, I still like the, the pokes in, in this spot even if Lubbock can be kind of a, a weird place to play especially at night it definitely has some like and it, it, I'm speaking more from like the Michael Crabtree days, some like Mad Max vibes to like the way that some of those fans yes. and players look like it's just a kind of like a dystopian feel about like that whole stadium. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's a stadium that, that appears in the middle of like what, what basically looks like the, the landscape of the moon or something. Right. And, and uh, you know, they're throwing tortillas on the field. I'm not even making that up. Uh, oh, it's yeah. It's a bonkers atmosphere there. And, and I'm sure that, you know, with, with this kind of being the, the last huge game for, for Texas Tech, I, I believe they get Baylor next, which is always a great logo matchup, BU versus yep. TT. But, um, you know, th- this is a marquee game for, for Texas Tech. They're, they'll be up for it. But I, I just think that Oklahoma State um, is the more quality team and, and uh, that, that'll get borne out over 60 minutes. Unfortunately, they're at Baylor this year. So, you know, if you, the home team's always on the right in the scoreboard. So it's going to be TT. BU, unfortunately, but next year that should reverse and we should, we should get the golden matchup. All right. We got that circled. Excellent. All right. I just want to touch on Wisconsin, Nebraska real Please. quickly. And, and we, we could do Georgia uh, and Charleston Southern if you want, but uh, Wisconsin still weirdly in the driver's seat in the big 10 West uh, two final hurdles, Nebraska uh, and Minnesota uh, in the customary Thanksgiving weekend game. Badgers are nine point favorites at home against Nebraska I, I think I said either earlier this week or last week that I'm finally back to the point of feeling comfortable saying like, oh yeah, the Badgers should be favored at home where they were just like inexplicably favorites in like four straight games where it was very clear that they were going to lose. Uh, but they're, they're semi back. Braylon Allen looks great. I, I thought Graham Mertz had probably his best game thus far last week, at least throwing the ball. Like he, there were like multiple throws that I, I was like, wow, that's the best throw he's had all year. And it was like an eight yard slant. Uh, but that's that's kind of where he was starting from early on. Uh, so he's gaining confidence. I think Wisconsin uh, offensively as a unit is starting to gain confidence. I, I like the cover here at home. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it says a lot, shows a lot of uh, the evolution of this pod throughout the year that that you didn't mention the, the Wisconsin line with, without prefacing it with inexplicably favored. So, right. so yeah, no, it goes to show uh, how well Wisconsin's playing right now. They, they look exactly. like the, the class of the West for sure. Uh, the way that they're playing right now. So Nebraska, even if they play this one close, they are 
physically incapable of, of actually banking a, a marquee win. So even if this gets a little bit hairy there for, for a bit in the second half or anything, you still got to figure that Wisconsin uh, pulls this one out or Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, uh, Nebraska finds a way to, to lose in some sort of soul-crushing fashion. Let's turn our attention to the Saturday main DFS slate. We got 14 games on a juicy uh, DK slate for the afternoon. Uh, and we will start, as always, at the quarterback position. Um, highlight some guys that you're you're targeting, maybe some guys you're staying away from, um, some team totals that you're taking a look at. Uh, it's all you. Yes. All right. So I'm, I'm very excited for this slate. It, it's really interesting. It's, it's one where uh, I think finding value at running back is going to be the, the key to this slate because you really, really do have to pay up for, for your quarterbacks this week. For the most part, I'll, I'll, I'll get to some values here in a minute, but yeah, value at quarterback is, is tough to find. So you're going to have to to pony up for, you know, guys like Sam Hartman, Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, um, and so on and, and receiver, um, not, not quite as, as top heavy as running back here, but, um, picking your spots at running back, maybe going mid tier and then a, a lower tier guy, um, might be the way to, to go about your builds. But as far as the, the highest implied totals, shouldn't surprise you that Ohio state tops the list, uh, implied total North of 40, uh, Pitts up next, Bama, Notre Dame, Cincy, and Michigan are, are the top five teams in terms of implied total. Um, as far as quarterbacks, I'm going to have a hard time in this probably shouldn't surprise anyone based on what we were saying about this game earlier with Ohio state and Michigan state. But I think Stroud is in about as golden of a spot as he's been all year. I mean, the offense is clicking at the right time. They're at home and they're facing the worst pass defense in the country. Like that, that's just, it's going to be hard to, to stay away from Stroud that this weekend. So, so love him. Um, I, th- I think you could take a look at Kenny Pickett going up against Virginia. Virginia doesn't have a very good defense at all. They're, they're a little bit worse against the run um, than they are against the, the pass, but uh, Pitt doesn't run the ball super effectively. It's, it's kind of the, the Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison show as far as Pitt is concerned. So Pickett, 9,100, I think he makes some sense. If you want to go down a little bit further, um, I feel like I, I'm like, I got to be Sean Clifford's biggest fan at, the, at this point in, in the country. I don't think Penn State fans like him all that much, but um, when he's only 6K against Rutgers and he keeps putting up pretty big numbers every week, I know last week wasn't great against Michigan. I still like this matchup. Rutgers, um, they, they smoked Indiana last week, but I think that says more about Indiana than, um, than it does about Rutgers. So I think that Penn state wins this one comfortably. And I think that Clifford has a, a big day, especially relative to the price tag at six K not so sure about Aiden O'Connell. I, I, I just, I can't believe that this would, this, this hot streak would continue, but um, he's an option. If you want to go a little bit lower, I am interested a little bit in DJU. I mean, he's just 5,900 Wake Forest, not a good defense. Um, this one's at Clemson. Uh, obviously, they don't have Justin Ross um, for th- for at least this game. But if if DJU is throwing it 40 times against uh, Connecticut like he did a week ago, then, you know, we could see a pretty decent passing volume from him uh, here on Saturday. So like him and then uh, the, the big kind of I don't want to say mispriced, but but uh, obvious value quarterback this week is Phil, Phil Dracovich. 
4,500 of Boston College at home going up against Florida State. I think Djokovic, if, if the price was right, I think he'd be closer to 7K on this slate. But, um, you know, he, he returned from, from a wrist injury uh, that required surgery just a couple of Fridays ago. And he's been good. So I, I'm surprised to see him basically a, as a min-priced quarterback. But that's going to be kind of a bingo free square. I imagine a lot of lineups are, are going to have noticed that that inefficiency. But even still, um, get, getting that kind of return where, where you're going to see 22, 23 DraftKings points from a guy at 4,500, and you can kind of almost take that to the bank, that's going to be tough to tough to avoid, especially, you know, given that it allows you to go really um, stars and scrubs with with the rest of your lineup. All right, looking at running backs, some big names at the top, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Brian Robinson, Braylon Allen, Travion Henderson. Those are your top five uh, in terms of prices. So a lot of big-time names to choose from uh, on this slate. Three of those guys, you know, out of the Big Ten in, in Walker, Allen, and Henderson. Any of those five, you know, worth paying up for? I think they, they definitely can be. I don't think I'm going to have a ton of exposure to, to this top tier um, of, of running backs this week just because I want to load up on, on the passing games for a lot of this slate. Um, if I had to pick a favorite of this group, it's probably Brian Robinson for just for the, the reasons I laid out earlier. I think that Bama mismatches with, with Arkansas as far as what Arkansas does defensively. So if it goes the way that, that the Ole Miss game goes, that then Robinson is a, is a total slate changer. Um, love love Braylon Allen, of course, but I, I would probably drop down and, and go Trevion Henderson for just a little bit cheaper at, at eighty five hundred compared to eighty six. Obviously, I was I was talking about some some concerns with Jerome Ford, so you have to see what's up there. Eight um, K for for Kyron Williams at, at Notre Dame is also pretty interesting, and Hassan Haskins has been getting a ton of volume. Uh, with Blake Corum being sidelined. I don't know if Michigan feels compelled to get Corum back on the field this week, given what's uh, on the other side next week going up against Ohio State. So I could see if that ends up being the case, then Haskins at 7,600, I think it is a pretty nice play. But I'll lay out a couple value guys that I like for this week. Kevon Lee, 3,600 of Penn State. Um, again, going up against Rutgers. Um, he saw... His highest carry count of the season, like doubled it basically last week. So um, he seems to have the trust of the of the Penn State offense right now. He seems to be their best and healthiest running back, seeing 20 carries a week ago against Michigan. So he's only 3,600. If you need a punt play in the flex or or um, at one of your running back spots, I think you could do a lot worse than him. King Doru um, of of uh, Purdue. 4,500. That that's less of a of a play on me thinking he's particularly good in any way, and more just like a, a an announcement that Northwestern is still very very bad against the run, as as you I'm sure noticed a week ago. I sure did. So so um, I, I think that he's the leader of that backfield. I think he would be the way to to go about getting some exposure against that Northwestern run D. Um, is he uh, Abanaconda of Purdue? I'm sorry, of Pitt. Going up against Virginia, Virginia, again, bad against the run. He's only 5,300, so that's pretty interesting. Um, a mid-tier guy I like is Letty Brown going up against Texas. That game will be at home. Texas, you know, you just kind of got to wonder where their head's at at this point um, coming off of a game like last week. And then uh, Ulysses Bentley, now that he's healthy, 3,800 against Cincy. It's a tough, tough matchup, but um, if he goes for 15 carries 
uh, and, you know, sees four or five targets here. I think that he, he returns a decent amount of value for you at, at, at just 3,800. I really like Bentley. If you're playing in contests that require you to roster a player named Ulysses, I think yeah. he's, he's at the top of my list. Oh yeah. No, he, he's the guy that like you go to the road wire optimizer and you, and you, first thing you do is you hit the lock button next to Ulysses. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. If you're in a Ulysses flex league, uh, let's look at receivers. We got four guys priced at 8k or above, uh, Wicks, Perry, Robertson and Jahan Dotson at the top at 8,400. Dotson, I think has probably the highest ceiling of any player week to week. Um, obviously he doesn't always meet that, but we've seen some just ridiculous games from Jahan Dotson. I, I kind of like David Bell. I mean, I know, I know you can gash Northwestern on the ground. I know we're not expecting a ton of points in this game. The total sits all the way down at 47 and a half, but I, I think David Bell comes close to that ceiling that you get with Dotson. And, you know, this week you're getting him for $1,100 cheaper. Yeah, that that is a really good point when it when it comes to Bell and Bell Bell did well last week without it. I I don't believe even scoring a touchdown, or if he did, he he just had the one. But as far as targets, yeah, catches, no touchdowns, yo- but eleven catches. There you go. So so I mean, he's definitely a safe option going up against Northwestern. I I, I do like that call. But um, Dotson to me is someone that I'm gonna, I'm going to try to jam into a lot of my lineups, even though he is the the top build receiver. He hasn't had a, a game with less than, than uh, 12 targets since week four, and that was a game when they played Villanova, so they obviously didn't need to pepper him with targets. But he's seen 15 or more targets in each of the last three games. I expect that to continue. There, there really doesn't seem to be that that second option that, that's emerged in that Penn State receiving course. So it's the Dotson show, and you know I, I, I'll, I'll pay the price for that at 8400 not surprisingly, I love the Ohio State guys, and um, I am surprised, however, um, at where they're they're priced at, especially after last week's explosion. Sometimes you can see an overreaction in in the salaries for some of these guys. But Garrett Wilson still just sixty eight hundred. Chris Olave, who scored in basically every game this year, down to sixty four hundred. Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, the highest at, at seventy nine hundred. So I imagine. It'll be kind of chalky to to have Garrett Wilson or, or even Chris Olave. Like, wouldn't surprise me in a big field tournament to to see Wilson's roster percentage north of thirty percent. But I think that's good chalk. Um, as far as you know, some some of the more value guys are concerned. Talking about that that Purdue passing game, Brock Thompson. He is a Marshall transfer, and he has touchdowns in back to back games. He's thirty one hundred. So. If you need that that near min price guy, I, I I would consider him Xavier Worthy. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things you could say about Texas right now, but he did have 22 targets a week ago. That's preposterous. Um, so that that kind of goes to show. And they they have kind of settled their quarterback situation. It's gonna be Casey Thompson this week. Him and Worthy obviously work well together. So 7200 people are gonna be off the Texas offense for the most part. Bijan Robinson's out, so they might have to throw a little bit more. Worthy's interesting. Um, Dylan Goffney mentioned him earlier, SMU $3,000 or yeah, 3000. So min price 13 targets a week ago, caught eight of them. Um, not particularly explosive production with it under, under hundred yards. But, um, if he is going to be stepping into that role again, if SMU still has a banged up receiving core, um, then Goffney definitely is worth some consideration. And, and I think you could argue with the way that he played, that he doesn't get written out of the game script here. And then, uh, Dovetailing with, with the DJU call, uh, Bo Collins, 4,500, and that, that's B-E-A-U-X, Nick Collins, um, 4,500, 
nine targets in three out of the last four, and, and Justin Ross is out. So I see him uh, seeing a, a ton of, of targets th- this week. I think he could he could set his uh, season high, and he's going up against Wake Forest, who is not particularly good defensively, as we know. All right, so I'm feverishly Googling Bo Collins right now. Uh, he's from California? What? He went to the same high school as DJU. John Bosco. Really? Okay, see – I, I was like, this guy's a lock. Like, he definitely is from, like, very south Louisiana. And, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I was kind of shocked by it myself. But, yeah, Clemson, Clemson's recruiting for footprint uh, goes far and wide. Yeah, it sure does. This is, uh, this is jarring. I, I might need a moment. Um, all right, any, any closing thoughts? I'm, I'm currently reading tweets about Antonio Brown using a fake vaccine card. Um, so I'm going to have no. some catching up to do in that regard. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, but any final thoughts on the week 12 college football slate? Oh, crikey. I mean, it, yeah, that, that, it, that definitely makes me want to just get, yeah, get, get back on Twitter here. But um, yeah, right. um, as far as, yeah, this slate goes, uh, I think it's going to be awesome. Again, uh, just kind of driving it home. Um, I, I like a couple of those passing games and I, I think uh, save as much as you can at running back to load up at some of those pre- premium receivers. Uh, those Ohio state guys, Jahan Dotson, and the like. And um, yeah, Phil, I'm very interested now to, to see what, with Phil Dracovich checking in as a quarterback man price, um, just like how, how many people catch on to that and you know how much, how much people actually go with it. Because I mean, that usually your best value quarterback is maybe like 5,800. And even then you're, you're kind of not expecting much, but Phil Dracovich is a legit, legit quarterback. So excited to see that. But uh, most of all, um, yeah, very, very excited for this weekend. Uh, I hope that this Ohio State Michigan State game is a little bit more competitive than the spread implies. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. This will this will be another awesome week. I'm, I'm very, uh, very excited. And, and do you have any uh, best bets that you were thinking about for, for this week, Nick? I, I have a couple lined up. I, I mean, as I said before, I like Wisconsin to cover those nine points at home. I, I kind of like Michigan State to hang around with Ohio State. 19 feels like too much. I, I think Ohio State wins this game fairly comfortably, but I do like Michigan State to cover 19, uh, even on the road. Uh, those, those are the two that I've kind of been honing in on. I mean, Alabama, I think, probably wins by more than three touchdowns against Arkansas. It, it feels like they had their one slip up, um, and it's going to be kind of smooth sailing, I think, for them until that inevitable meeting with Georgia. But uh, hit me with your best bets. Um, so I, I know I was just gassing up Boston College, but I kind of like Florida State at plus – 1.5 going to Boston College, Florida State uh, gutty win over over Miami last week. So maybe, maybe something's starting to starting to cook um, down in Tallahassee. Um, Looking elsewhere, I like USC plus three against UCLA. Jackson Dart is going to be starting the man himself uh, for USC. A little glimpse into the future there. Um, I like Wyoming plus five and a half against Utah State. Wyoming's just tough as nails to play against, even even though they're going to be on the road in this one. And then I like North Texas minus 10 against Florida International. FIU is just completely falling apart. I don't know if you caught Butch Davis's comments from earlier this week, but it's like, yeah, the, the jerseys are 10 years old. The, you know, the facilities are falling apart. Uh, I'm leaving after this season. Uh, see you later. So that, that, that could be a team that um, is just in, in bad, bad shape heading into Denton. Yeah, they, they might be on FCS watch pretty soon here. Yeah, I, 
I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it, you know, with, with all this realignment, I mean, Conference USA right now is, is about as low as it gets, and, and FIU is kind of bottom of the barrel there. Yeah, I, I don't know that F, uh, Conference USA will ever recapture the, like, 2007 to 2009 glory years. No, th- those days are long behind us, sir. They sure are. All right, man. Enjoy the pseudo bye week for Georgia. Uh, hopefully it'll be smooth sailing for Wisconsin as well. I have no weddings on the calendar this Look week. I will finally be able to sit back, relax, throw on both TVs, have multiple games going. I won't be like scrambling to, you know, stream games while I'm hiding out in the bathroom at these events. Uh, very much looking forward to it. I'm very, I'm very pleased for you. I mean, it, it's been a hell Thank of a you. wedding season for you and uh, you, you've earned this. I really have. Thank you for saying that. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.